0: The following audio is from the Grove Church Snohomish campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. All right, well, good morning, Snohomish. It is so, so exciting to be here today. This is only the second time I've had the opportunity to come visit our campus here. And I have to tell you, um, it is amazing. What your church, what our church here in Snohomish does every Sunday to, to get everything going from Grove Kids to um, the lobby. I mean, everything. I am so impressed with the work. Um, That God is doing here in this campus. And so I am thrilled to be here today um, to get to dive into God's Word today with you, and we are going to do that. So if you have your Bibles, or if you have a Bible app on your phone, this will be the time to kind of get it ready, get it going. I'll give you a little peek in just a couple minutes. We're going to be diving into the book of Matthew, and we're going to be looking at chapter 25. We're going to start in verses uh, 13 in just a few minutes. Um, but I want to tell you a little bit about myself just because it is the first time that I've ever been here um, and met well it's the second time I've been here but the first time that I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of you and so um, I'd like to introduce you first to my family Um, I have a beautiful family that I'm so um, in love with and so passionate about oh there we are there's my fam, and so my husband, Mike, and I, we've been married for 20 years, or it'll be 20 years in May, um, which deserves a round of applause, because 20 years, I mean, that's, that's a long time um, that I've had the opportunity to be married to the love of my life, and we have three beautiful kids. Our daughter, Rachel, you see there, and our son, Christian, and um, our youngest is Joshua there in the corner. So that's my family. And as Aaron said, I have had the privilege to um, be part of the Grove Church here for about five years. Our family came on board, and uh, we love the heart and the mission behind our church. Um, I've had the privilege to work alongside an amazing group of Grove Kids leaders. If you have children in Grove Kids, thank you so much for entrusting your children to us every Sunday. It is a privilege that Uh, Grove Kids leaders and volunteers, we don't take for granted. You see, we consider it an incredible privilege to come alongside of you and partner with you in raising your children up in the ways of the Lord and teaching them about God's great love story for their life. It is a tremendous pleasure that all of us in Grove Kids, we share a heartbeat for children and families in this way. Well, before we dive into the Word, I would love to pray for us. Um, So if you'd bow your heads, I'm just gonna pray for a moment and then we're gonna get started. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you today. I thank you that we are here today to hear your word. Father, I pray that your your word would penetrate the hearts of your people, that you are preparing each one of us to hear exactly what it is that you wanna speak to us individually. Father, I thank you that you are a personal father who cares exactly about where we are. I pray that these words today would be anointed by you, that you would remove me from the equation, God, and that your truth would be spoken over your people today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so who here likes to eat out? Do I have any restaurant goers? Okay, so... My family, we, we enjoy eating out, and we have this family tradition um, during our birthdays where the birthday person gets to decide what restaurant they want to go eat at, or they can choose um, to either have a home-cooked meal. But there's a couple uh, restaurant choices um, that kind of stick to the top of, for our family that we really enjoy. Uh, we like to go to Red Robin. Is there anybody here who enjoys Red Robin, maybe a couple, not sure. Okay, Anthony's. Um, there's got to be people in here who like Anthony's. Yes, right. That's a, that's yes. Anthony's is. Oh, they're chocolate moose. Oh my gosh, they're chocolate moose. Okay, so I love Anthony's in the Spaghetti Factory. Anybody? Yeah, right. If you have children, it's the Spaghetti Factory. So we um, these three. Restaurants are all kind of usually hit the top of our list in our family, and you know, they all share something in common. All three of these restaurants they um, share kind of an excellence about them, whether it's their food, excellent food, Um, there's a consistency about them. You know, we know what we're going to get when we walk into these restaurants. There's usually excellent customer service. I would say, majority of the time, we get a great host or hostess or waiter or waitress that's serving us, and of course the food. There's just always something on that menu that keeps us coming back. Well I think we can all um, think of a time when maybe we have had an opposite experience. So whether Red Robin or Anthony's or the spaghetti factory whether that is your restaurant of choice or you have another restaurant, I think we can all think of a restaurant that we get excited to go to because um, we can't wait to have that special item on the menu or maybe it holds a special place in our heart because it's some place that your family or your friends go to and frequent often. So I think we all have that place. Well, I think we also have all had the opposite experience where we've maybe walked into a restaurant thinking it was gonna be uh, an excellent experience and we've received something completely different. In fact, Funny story, after I had already written this message and kind of thought of this analogy that I'm gonna help you with leading you into why we're even talking about restaurants and church, but um, the other night, my husband and I um, decided we had about an hour and a half between one basketball game and picking children up from another activity. So we were like, we're gonna grab a bite to eat. So we stopped by this little place I will that will remain nameless. And we walked in, and at first I thought, well... You know, the food's probably going to be okay still. You know, I was kind of like, oh, I'm not sure. But anyways, my husband had done drive-through um, or picked something up there before, and we knew the food was going to be good. Well, I'm not kidding you. Like, we walked in, and the person, there was like this curtain up, and this person from behind the curtain, I didn't even see his face, says, what do you have? That was how I got greeted. What do you have? And I thought, I can't even see your face. I don't even, I mean, so it's this weird experience. And so I'm like ducking under the curtain trying to see him. And my husband and I are looking at the menu that's posted above head. And it just, it was not an excellent experience. And so then we decided, you know, okay, we're going to go sit down because we're not going anywhere. We have like an hour until we pick up our other, our other son. So literally, we sat at three different tables because they had not been wiped down from the prior customer. It was so gross. (laughs) So finally we get to the third table and it was, this is so funny. It was like we sat there, my husband had to lean forward because the counter was sticking out because we couldn't move the table because it was propped up by receipts. Otherwise it was going to topple. I mean, it was just not excellent. There was nothing about it that was excellent. And I thought, we're not coming back. We're not coming back. So anyways, the food ended up being good, but the, the experience was not excellent. The customer service was not excellent. Well, why are we talking about this in church today? Okay, the reason I bring it up is Pastor Aaron introduced, we are finishing our series called Life Hacks, which has been a how-to series, how to live a life according to God's will and God's purpose for us, right? And so we've been learning these different life hacks as we've been diving into Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And we've been taking individual words and trying to apply those words to our lives. Well, today I'm getting this awesome privilege to talk to you about the last two words that Paul challenges the Church of Philippi to focus on. And these two words are excellent and praiseworthy. So just as we have this opportunity to go out to eat and we can experience this excellent restaurant or we can experience a restaurant that is far from excellent, Every single day, we get an opportunity to choose where to set our minds. Now, we can choose to set our minds on that which is excellent, the things that we know are going to produce excellence in our life, the things that are going to lead us, right, in a path that God would want us to live. Or we can choose to think upon the things that aren't excellent, things that we know aren't good for our souls, things that we know aren't going to propel us forward into living out our lives according to God's will for us. And it is a choice that you and I get every single day. And I love how Paul talks about this, how he sees the importance because he learned it through trial and tribulation. He's learned that what we set our minds upon determines the path for which we go. And it's a choice we make. It is something we learn how to do. So today, we are going to look at the word excellent, and praiseworthy. And this is where we're going to pick up in Matthew 25, and it's going to start in verse 13. Now, I'm going to just give you kind of the front end of this Um, parable, actually. It's a parable of the talents. And then we'll pick up reading together in verse 23. So this parable Jesus gives us is called the parable of the talents. And it's about this master who decides, he's very wealthy, and he decides that he's going to leave. And he's going to leave his property to his three servants. Now, he's going to decide based on their abilities, is what it says in the scripture. He decides based on the abilities of his servants, whether he's going to give the servants a little or a lot. So he decides that he's gonna give the first servant five talents. Then he's gonna give the second servant three talents, and he's gonna give the third servant one talent. And then he goes about his trip. Well, he comes back after being gone for a period of time, and he wants an account of what his servants have done with the talents that he entrusted to them. Well, the first two servants, they're excited to report. They went out, and right away, they made their money work. In fact, they get to report back that they doubled the amount of talents. And the, serv- or the master, of course— Was pleased with them. He rewarded them. And then we're going to dive in together and we're going to read together starting in verse 23. And this is what the master says. He says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, the third servant, however, had merely hidden His talent, and buried it in the ground and was punished by his master. Then the one who had received the one talent came and said, "'Sir, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed, so I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours.' But his master answered, "Easy, um, evil and lazy servant, so you knew I harvested where I didn't sow and gather where I didn't scatter? Then you should have deposited my money in the bank, and on my return I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten, for the one who has will have given more, and he will have more than enough. But the one who has not, does not have, even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right. So what's going on here? So, this particular parable that Jesus gives us, it, it actually is a parable that's oftentimes been used to um, illustrate different financial lessons that we can learn. But there's something else here in this parable for us today that applies. And this is that we all have God given talents. God has given each and every one of us a talent according to His, according to what He thinks. Our abilities are. We all have talents. And we are to use those talents. We're to step out and use those talents and take risks with the talents that he's given to us. See, the first and second servants, they got that. They received their talent and they took risk and took action and they did something with it, right? And from that became a reward that they got. In fact, he praised them. The master praised them, it says, and he rewarded them. They actually got more. And the third servant, he did something different, didn't he? Yeah, he did something different. And so our lesson here is, so whether we are given a little or a lot by God, whatever it is that you've been given, whatever he has entrusted to you, we, you and I both, we're to be good stewards of that, right? That's what living a life of excellence is when we're talking in context of our abilities and our talents. Um, That God has given us. We are to be good stewards with it. Now, in Romans 12, you can write this one down. Romans 12, 4 through 6, it's one of my favorite verses, especially when I'm feeling a little insecure about um, maybe my giftings or my talents, or maybe I'm in question sometimes about, Lord, what is it that that you really want me to be doing with my life? Romans 12, 4 through 6 says this, and this is Paul speaking, and he says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. See, all of us have given gifts by God. All of us have talents by him. There is no gift and no talent that anybody has that is more important or more valuable than any of the others. In fact, within the body of Christ in, this, in Romans 16, what it's saying, I'm sorry, Romans 12, what it is saying is that every, every gift that we have is so valuable that the body can only work if we're all using it. So if you have a gift and you're actually not using it, the whole body's hurting because you're not using the gift God's given you because your gift is so incredibly valuable. Now let's look back at the parable for a second because when I first read through this as I was studying for this message, I almost missed this. And this honestly for me today, and maybe this will speak to you, but man, it spoke to me when I was writing this message, is this third servant See, the third servant, he didn't do anything, but did you catch why? He was afraid. He was afraid. He did nothing with the talent that he was given because he was afraid. And I paused on that for a minute when I was studying for this, and I thought, man, how many times have I been paralyzed by fear? How many times have you been paralyzed? By fear, right? Of stepping out in faith and the confidence that we have through the Lord, our our Savior, right? And recognizing and taking whatever gifting, whatever talent that he has given to us. And how many times have we been fearful of what someone's going to say? Or that we're not going to stand up. We're going to be, we're not going to be as good as the person next to us if we do this. Maybe we're afraid that we're going to fail and failure is just something we can't handle for some reason. Whatever it is, I want to tell you that our God, our God, He is not a God of fear, right? He is not a God of fear. In fact, our God tells us, we learn in 1 Timothy 1 7, that He has not even given us a spirit of fear. He has not given us a spirit of fear. In fact, he tells us that he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. In Grove Kids, in our preschool, we, um, this past summer, uh, taught the children this song, and it's called Fear, Fear, Get Out of Here. And as I was, again, writing this message and I was thinking of this song and, and, you know, we teach them these little hand motions. So here's my children's ministry coming out. But, um, you know, and they go, fear, fear. And, you know, these little ones, you know, they hold nothing back, you know, these three, four, five-year-olds, which is why my heart beats so heavy for them. But they're going like this, fear, fear, you know, they're yelling it. And then they do these motions, get out of here, you know. And the last verse they say, get out of here for good, you know. And I was like, oh man, they sing it and they own it. And you know, all I could think was, man, you know what? We need to own that, right? You and I, we need to own that. That is not just a song for these preschoolers to to sing and look cute. But man, almighty, fear, get out of here. Get out of here for good. We need to walk in the confidence and the strength and the boldness that God has given us. We are children of God. We are created in his image. And there is nothing that he wants to hold us back from stepping out in faith in the given gifts, abilities, and talents that he's given to us. He's a God of excellence. And we are created in his image to live a life of excellence. Amen? So... Moving on to, we have this idea of excellence as it relates to kind of our talents and our abilities. And then we also see excellence throughout Scripture as it relates to character, right? Character, man. In the world today, character, right? I might touch on a couple little sore subjects here, but um, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, if you have accepted him into your heart and he is your personal lord and savior i am reminding you i'm reminding me today that we are called to live a life of excellence we are called to live a life of excellent character we should stick out and we should look a little different than the world around us we see this example if we just look in the book of genesis in the garden of eden God told Abraham and Eve, or Adam and Eve, not Abraham, (laughs) Adam and Eve to exercise wise and responsible authority over his creation. And this is so important because this applies to us when we look at character. See, we all have been given some jobs. We all have responsibility, whether you're retired, whether you're a student in school, whether you are working in the professional world, whether you are a parent at home raising children. We have all been given a job to do. And God calls us to perform that with responsible, wise behavior, all right? And when we do that, we actually display God's excellence, right? We display His excellence. It mirrors the creativity and the goodness of our God, when we perform responsibly. In Jeremiah, we see this other example, and I thought about this. Like when we see in Jeremiah, in the book of Jeremiah, he actually sends his people into captivity in Babylon. And when they go, he, he's not, they're just not sent there in exile. He actually says, look out for the people while you're there. Can you imagine? You're, going into, you're being held into captivity, and the call that you've been given to God is to, Check out and watch out the people that are there. Well, I think the lesson for us in that is that we're not, to po- we're not supposed to just exist and be good citizens wherever God has us. He actually calls us to a life of excellence, to be excellent citizens in the communities that we're placed in. We're supposed to be a beacon of light Wherever it is that he has us. And we see that in that example in Jeremiah when he sends the people to captivity in Babylon. Through God himself, we see excellence. He is holy, he is perfectly pure, he is just, he is good, he's supremely compassionate, and he's kind, and he's patient. And probably the most important thing that we learn about him, Jesus himself shares with us. He explains to us in Matthew 11, and he says this about who he is. He says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and I am humble." And you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's a book that we've referred to um, a few times here in our series. It's by Chuck Swindoll, Laugh Again. If you haven't read the book, um, I'd highly recommend it. He does a study that goes along with it on the book of Philippians that I've um, found myself engrossed in, and it's a great book about living your life full of joy. Um, And so anyways, I'd highly recommend. But what Chuck Swindoll says in this book, Laugh Again, about these two attributes of Jesus, he says, did you catch the key words? I am gentle and humble in heart, which might be best summed up in one word, unselfish, According to Jesus' testimony, this is the most Christ-like attitude that we can demonstrate because he was so humble and so unselfish that the last person that he thought of was himself. When a Christian is unselfish, others mean more than self. Pride is given no place to operate. You see, when we become more like Jesus and embrace the traits of him. It reveals the vastness of his moral excellence to the world. If anybody should stick out as people of excellence, it should be Christians. After all, we are created in God's image, right? And he is, the essence of who he is, is excellent. So we've looked at excellence as it relates to our abilities and talents, and we talked a bit about how excellence relates to the character of God and and who we as Christians should strive to be like. We're gonna look at this word praiseworthy, because again, we're talking about the last two words of Philippians 4.8, which is to think upon those things, that which is praiseworthy and things that are excellent. So praiseworthy in Acts 16.25, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and other prisoners were listening to them. In prison, under the worst conditions, pending hearing and possible death, Paul and Silas are singing. I can't even imagine. So when I read this, the first thing I thought was, well, that, I mean— that is amazing, an amazing example of setting our minds regardless of our situation and our circumstances, right? Paul and Silas demonstrate to us this intentionality, this learned behavior, this self-discipline to focus their eyes on the Lord and to pray, sing hymns to God. But the thing that I noted at the end of it, it says that others were listening, and I thought to myself, this is the lesson for us. We are all going to be a witness. We are all going to be a witness for something. And the question for us is, what are we being a witness for? See, in everything that we do, it doesn't matter the circumstances. Are we choosing to praise God? Are we choosing to lift others up? Are we choosing to praise God? Or would others around us say we're a witness to complaint or criticism or negativity? See, no matter what, like Paul and Silas, they're choosing to praise God in the midst of these horrible circumstances. And the thing is, people are listening and they listen to us. Wherever we are, we are a witness, just like Paul and Silas were in prison. Wherever we are, we are a witness. What are you being a witness for? Right In Romans 16, Paul gives us another example. He spends the entire chapter, for the most part, praising those who have um, performed with excellence in terms of their service for God. He's um, showing us another example of how important it is that we lift others up and we praise them. See, when we praise others for the ways that they're winning at life, when we recognize how others are winning at life, Lifting others up, that makes them better at what they do. And Chuck Swindoll, again, he puts it this way. He suggests that when we talk about excellent and we talk about praiseworthy in view of life, it means that we're looking at others and how to celebrate them more than we're looking at ourselves. In wrapping this up for today, I want to leave you with three life hacks that we can take with us today, that we can walk out the door, and hopefully these will help us embrace this idea of that when we set our minds on those things that which are excellent and praiseworthy, when we put that into practice in our lives, that we can get have the results that God would want, that we would be winning in life the way he wants us to be winning. So the first life hack that I wanna share with you today is this. How you think about yourself matters. How you think about yourself matters. You see, if we are in a practice of speaking to ourselves lies, if we are in a practice of not speaking truth about who we are, it is really hard to step out of ourselves and to praise others and catch other people winning in life. Because when we don't think of ourselves the way that God does. We spend our time kind of in here. And God wants us to live our lives right out here for the world and recognizing and lifting those around us up in praise. And when we do that, we praise Him. So I want you to think about this for a moment. I really want to challenge us here today because I really believe that these are things that we all struggle with. I know that I do, and um, I'm sure there are things that— that I would say most of us do. If the voice in our mind is saying, I am unworthy, I am not good enough, I can't do this, what if we replace that with, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. See how that changes? just that thought in our mind claiming that truth over us instead of the lie that we so often would want to feed ourselves? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What if the voice in our mind says, I am unworthy, I'm ugly, no one loves me, I'm not worth it. You name in the blank. There's so many things that we would say about ourselves. But instead, what if you replace that thought? What if you learn the discipline that Paul teaches us and you hold that thought captive and you retrain yourself when you say, no, that is not true. That is not who I am because I am a child of God. I am worthy. I am beautifully, wonderfully made in the image of God and that is who I am. What if you took that and you claim that over your life? how that would change your view of who you are. See, because how you think about yourself, it matters because it becomes the platform, it becomes the launching pad for how you treat others and how you raise others up. Living lives of excellence begins with believing that we are all that God says we are, and we need to not believe the lies of the world. John 10.10 tells us that there's a thief that comes to steal, kill and destroy, but he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, God wants you and I to live a life that's full. He wants us to live a life that is full of joy. He wants us to live a life that's full of peace. He wants us to live a life that is filled with the thoughts that he wants us to meditate on because he has an incredible plan and he has an incredible purpose for our lives how we think about ourselves, it matters. It matters to God. Life hack number two, stay in your own lane. We need to stay in our own lane. What does that mean? We are so good at looking over our shoulders to the left or the right at what everybody else around us is doing. And we're so good at times of comparing. Does anyone else here fall into this, the comparison trap? It is a trap, right? I was reminded recently about eight months ago, our daughter um, went through driver's ed, and so I've had the incredible opportunity to get to ride in the car with her. And um, I was not the right one to do it. My husband really should have been the main person, but uh, my daughter would tell you agree with you but anyways um, I was thinking about this again writing this message and you know when she first started driving we got in the car and she was practicing her lane changes and you know you're driving and she does the blinker she does it so great and then she looks over you know and then the arms are going I'm like whoa you know and you go straight. And you know, it's just kind of that learned behavior when you're driving. I don't know, it's been so long since I learned, but we had to learn to keep the car moving straight when we put the blinker on and looked over our shoulder. Otherwise, we're veering into the other lane, and what's gonna happen? Right? We're gonna we're gonna crash into somebody doing that. And so we had to learn, she had to learn to kind of keep her hands straight as she looked left and right. And I thought about this, I thought, you know what, man stay in our own lane because when we spend so much time looking left and right at what everybody's doing, their giftings and their talents, and they're so pretty, and they can sing, and they can do this, and I can't do that, right? That we're not driving the car straight. We're just, meaning we're not fulfilling the purposes that God has put in our lives. He's given us talents and abilities that He wants us to Stay in our lane and use for his glory. And when we do that, it brings us this tremendous joy and a tremendous peace when we do it. So stay in our own lane. The third hack that I'm going to leave you with today is character matters. Character matters. We can be great at identifying our God-given talents and abilities, we can hone in on that and we can stay in our own lane and we can pursue what it is that we feel the path that God has put, it, put on us and we can strive for that with excellence. We can speak to ourselves the truth about who God says we are and we can believe those and embrace those truths. But if we are doing any of that out of selfishness, or lack of character, then we have completely, completely missed the boat. See, character matters. The essence of who he is is excellence of character. See, God himself is excellent in every way, and we are created in his image. So doing work responsibly, working responsibly, being people of our word, showing up on time— doing what we say we're going to do, be kind, be compassionate. These are all the attributes and characteristics of God that he, that as people created in his image, he asks us to walk in these characteristics, to own these characteristics, right? And most importantly, always seeking to put others before ourselves while praising them and finding how they're winning in life and lifting them up in a world that has drifted so far away from the attributes of true character. As Christians, we have this incredible opportunity to stand out in the world around us, in our communities, wherever God has you. We have this incredible opportunity to stand out as beacons of life right? Beacons of life with the excellence of character that God has given us. And I challenge you again today, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, if you've invited him into your heart and you seek daily to walk with him, he has called you to live a life of excellent character. Imagine with me for just a moment the impact that we as a body of believers could have in our church and our communities and the world around us if we all strived to stay in our own lane, to identify our talents and abilities, to work at them with excellence because it brings honor and praise to God. Imagine if we all stopped comparing ourselves to one another and instead we looked look to lift up each other in praise and recognizing when others around us are winning. What if we made this life that we live not about us, but about the people around us instead? Imagine the impact the church could have on the world for the glory of God and those that would want to be a part of it because they're like, man, they've got something that's different. And you know that different, that different, his his name is Jesus, right? And so isn't that how we want the world? Isn't that the life we wanna live? And when I think of how Paul is talking to us and he's teaching us to think upon these things that which are excellent and praiseworthy, the next verse, it says, and the God of peace will be with you. That's the product of us setting our minds on the things that matter most to God, pursuing our lives in the lane that he has us in. And then he gives us this awesome little like promise at the end. I think in a series like this, we've been talking about this over five weeks and I believe that the Holy Spirit has over this time period and maybe it just happened for you today that he spoke to you, but I know he spoke to me and I have a personal convictions in writing this own message about the things that He wants me to work on. So I'm gonna ask today, just that you think about it for a minute. And I wanna ask you what it is that you are thinking upon that's holding you back from living the life that God wants you to have. What is your area of thinking that isn't in alignment with how He'd want you to think. And just take a second even, and just write it down. Type it in your phone, put it to memory, but don't leave today without taking note of it, because He wants to work with you. He wants you to be all that He has called you to be. And the thing is, is He never asked us to do it alone. He is with us. He cares about us. And He just wants us to reach out and say, Lord, I think I'm unworthy. And I just need you to tell me and affirm in me that I'm wonderfully and beautifully made. Or I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I need you to tell me and help me understand, God, that I can do all things through you, who gives me strength. Whatever it is, write it down. Think about the lane you're driving in. Think about what you're allowing yourself to think upon. And in everything that you're doing, recognize the importance of character. going to pray for us now. Heavenly Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you know that we are in progress. God, I thank you that we have hope through Our relationship with you and just for what you did for us on the cross, Father, that you want to do something new in each one of our lives. I thank you, Lord, that this message today is a word from you, God, and that your Holy Spirit is speaking to each one of us, God, and that you won't let us leave here, leave this place today without continuing the work that you have to do in each one of our lives. I thank you, Father, for the example that you give us of how you want to live. I thank you for the words of Paul that gives us a roadmap, Father, because you love us so much that you wanted to give us the roadmap for how we can find peace and joy Help us find our identity, God, in you so that we can be beacons of life in our communities and in the world. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would move about this place, God, and that we would leave today being encouraged, being challenged, and, Father, that we would be changed. It's in your holy and precious name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Snohomish Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.